0: So uh, Pat Louise Meyer on the back for that. That's all her her own creation. And by the way, we'll be happy to auction off each piece. Uh, you know, we can always raise something for the Africa Fund. So if there's a piece here you want, you know, just uh, go ahead and make an offer. How's that? Uh, no, I'm not a good salesman, huh? Nobody's jumping up saying, I'll take the whole set. I want it all. I got this big wall. No, but uh, isn't that aren't they great, though? But uh, just to let you know. Well, let's see. Uh, we are uh, today at the end of our uh, series, uh, Big Questions, you know, kind of asking those, those big questions that are floating out there in the world, and most of which have the wrong answers floating uh, out there. And uh, so today we wrap it up, and uh, we wrap it up with uh, a really big question. It's a really big question uh, for a couple reasons, I think. Uh, one, because... It is a question that's floating out there in the world. Uh, It's a question the world is often answering incorrectly. Uh, But uh, this question, I think, becomes uh, even bigger uh, because this question becomes personal for a lot of us. I mean, the the answer to this question is not just some theological answer. The answer to this question is, um, well, it's related to people we know. It's related to to lives that we know and and people that we uh, care about. So this question is a big question for us, uh, but it's also a sensitive question for us. As we launch into it, what I want to do is kind of, you know, as we've been doing, divide it into some kind of some subsets of questions. And so to start this morning by kind of asking the question that's kind of underneath this one and uh, kind of a kinship question to, uh, you know, will everyone go to heaven? is The the kinship question um, that follows is, well, wait a minute, do all roads lead to heaven? You've heard that before, right, out there in the world? Do all roads lead to heaven? I mean, does does everything lead to the same place? It comes out when it when it's talked about in the world. It comes out with people saying things like, "Well, you know, after all, it's all the same God." Heard that before? I'm the only one that gets told that, huh? Yeah, I mean, you hear that, right? Don't we? I mean, after all, it's all the same God, or or we hear the phrase uh, someone will say, "Well, you know, it's one God with." Many names. It's waiting for you to finish it. One God with many names. You've heard that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we've got to start there, I think, and answer this kind of cultural question and, and, uh, and do that with some, some, uh, some biblical uh, insight. To do that, I want to start by just taking you to uh, John 10. And uh, John 10, we have Jesus uh, talking, and Jesus says, I tell you for certain that I am the gate for the sheep. Everyone who came before me was a thief or a robber, and the sheep did not listen to any of them. I am the gate. All who come in through me will be saved. Through me they will come and go and find pasture. Let's unpack that a little bit. Jesus is making a a very bold statement there, isn't he? He's saying, look, I'm it. I, I, I am the gate, right? Notice he acknowledges, however... That there's going to be other paths out there. There's going to be other claimers out there. There's going to be some who claim that they too are a gate, but he describes them as what thieves and robbers, right? They don't really have the truth. He's the gate. There's going to be other ones out there that claim that they're going to have the truth, but Jesus is saying, look, you, you got to understand, they're thieves and robbers. They they just don't have it. They they they're trying to steal you away from the truth that I now give you. I am the gate. They're trying to lead you down another path and steal you away. And then he ends by making kind of a promise statement that says, look, I'm the gate and all who come in through me will be saved. See, that's a promise statement saying, look, this is what you can count on. You know, all those other people, you can't count on them, but this is what you can count on. If you come in relationship with me, the promise statement is, look, you'll know you're going to experience the kingdom of heaven. It's kind of like when you're, when you're driving in your car and you're out in kind of an area that you're relatively unfamiliar with, but you kind of have a sense of it, and, and you're driving along and you've got your GPS system on, and, and the GPS system says, you know, in 500 feet, turn right. But internally you say, well, you know, I, I think if I turn left, I can get there. I think if I just turn left and then go down a little further and then turn right and just go a little left again and then another right, I think that I can probably get there that way. And of course, if you follow your intuition and you go left instead of following the the GPS system and turning right, what happens? You get lost, don't you? And you end up going back to the GPS system because the GPS system is always right. Right. Not always. No, that's MapQuest. MapQuest is not always right. We don't have any MapQuest people here. No, it'll get you there. The GPS will get you there usually, always, right? You know. But you see the principle. You see the difficulty. The principle is that we want to go with what we would like instead of the truth statement that Jesus makes. He makes just simply a truth statement here and says, "Look, I can guarantee you." That if you follow me, if you go in by my gate, look, the promise is you'll experience the kingdom of heaven. So, so don't go with what you think might be right. Don't go with what you possibly could be possibly right. But look, here's the truth. And the truth is, if you follow Jesus Christ in your love relationship with him, he promises you that you will experience the kingdom of heaven. Now, worldly people hear that and they usually come back and say, well... That is a terribly exclusive statement. I mean, you Christians are just elitist. You're saying that Jesus is the only way? Yes. Yes, absolutely right. It's the only way I know. It's the only absolute way that I can guarantee to you that you are going to experience the kingdom of heaven. It's the only way I know. If you follow the way you think... It's about what you think, not about the truth. If you look at Proverbs, um, well, John, let's do John 14 first. I'm sorry. If you look at John 14, it says, Jesus makes the bold statement, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Without me, no one can go to the Father. You see, and they hear that and say, well, you elitist Christians, right? And they want to follow what they think instead of what that truth statement says. Look at Proverbs now. What does Proverbs say? Sometimes what seems right is really a road to. So which are you going to go with? You see, the world wants to answer the question and say, Well, that's just an exclusive elitist statement and you know that just doesn't seem right. Well, it's not about whether it seems right, it's whether it's the truth. And the reality is, that's the truth of Christianity. That is our exclusive claim. That's what we proclaim. This is the gospel. That Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the only way to the Father. It's the only way we know. It is absolutely the only way that we know. And it is our absolute elitist statement in the sense of, yes, yes it is the truth and it is the only truth and what's the proof of it how can we make that statement we can make that statement because Jesus Christ is the only one who's ever come back from the grave he's the only one he's the only one of all the paths that the world wants to lead you down of of all the other religions that the world wants you to try to follow nobody else has ever risen from the dead Jesus Christ is the only one. How's that for an elitist statement? You see, that is the elitist statement. That is the exclusive statement. That is the statement that says, yes, absolutely. He is the only one because he's the only one that rose in the grave. If you go into the, into the scriptures and you look at, uh, at uh, Peter when he was proclaiming in the book of Acts and doing his great first message that, that uh, brought 3,000 people to Christ, He says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is where? Right here today, David is still in the grave. Where is he starting from? He's saying, look, you've got to understand this. Even the great King David, the greatest of the greatest of the greatest, the most awesome king Israel would know, he died, and he's still in the grave. By comparison... But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath and he would place on on his throne one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he would not be abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor have his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. What's he saying? Look, David, the greatest of the greatest of the greatest, he died, he's in the grave. But guess what? Jesus isn't. And that's the claim. That's the claim. That's why we can say, yes, Jesus is the only way. We have the proof of it. We have the experience of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. And that's what Peter would say in the book of Acts. You get to the fourth chapter. He says, only Jesus has the power to save! Exclamation point. See that? Only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only one in all the world, that can save anyone. This is our claim because Jesus Christ is the only one that has ever risen from the dead. Answer the question, are there other roads to heaven? Is it all one path? No. No, Jesus is the only way because He's the only one that's been to heaven. He's the only one that has risen from the grave. Let me ask you this, kind of put it this way if you get a get a picture of it. If if you were going to go and climb Mount Everest and and you were looking for a guide to climb Mount Everest and show you how to do it, who would you hire? Would you hire the guide that just simply knew a lot about climbing a mountain? Or would you hire a guide who's been up the mountain already? Vote Up the mountain already. Hey? Amen? You want the guy that's been up the mountain already. You don't want the guy that just knows a lot about mountain climbing and has cool gear. You want the guy who's already been up the mountain. This is our truth claim. This is why we can claim it. Jesus is the only way. It's the only way we know. Why? Because He's the only one that's already in the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to go with what we know. If we follow along then and say, well, okay, um, Jesus is the only way, let's ask the next question the world would ask. And I think the next question the world would ask is, well, 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 wait a minute. Isn't being a good person enough? Have you heard that question? Look, can't, can't I just be a good person? Isn't just being a good person good enough? This is a common misperception of the world. It's a, a common answer about... Who's going to go to heaven? You know, just all the good people. The trouble with the the question is, and the answer they're giving is that going to heaven isn't about being a good person. The church isn't here for all good people. In fact, we could make a really strong argument: the church is here for all the not good people. You know what I mean? Jesus said what? I came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus said, look, I came for the sick people, not for the healthy people. Who's he after? It's not about good people. Jesus is after about every human heart who is distant from him. It's not about whether your behavior is good or not. It's about your relationship and whether you know him or not. And if you know him, you'll do good stuff, of course. But the focus is not about whether you're good or not good. In fact, if you're not good, he's really after you. Does that make sense? Totally. How do we look at it? Let's look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18 says, Then he said, I promise you this. I love it when he makes a promise. I promise you this. It's the way it is. If you don't change and become like a child, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. What do you have to do? Are children always good? Does any parent in the room have a child who's always been good? It's not about whether you're good or not good, right? Goodness isn't the part of the equation. The issue Jesus is saying here is, look, are you totally dependent on me like a child is dependent on their parents? Are you ready to follow me in everything, just like a child is ready to follow their parent? Are you in a a personal love relationship with me, just like a child is in love with their parent? You see, the change isn't a change about our action. The change is a change about our heart, whether we're in a love relationship with Christ. (laughs) In fact, the Bible would warn us and say, look, don't don't get trapped in this false thing about about doing good works and somehow getting into heaven. If you look at the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or or the powerful boast in their power or, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. What should they boast in? That they truly Know me. You see that? And understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. What's important here? Not their works. Don't boast in your works. Instead, what? Boast in your relationship with Christ. That's it. You see, getting into heaven isn't about doing good or not doing good, whether you're a good person or a bad person. It's whatever person you are. Do you know Christ? Are you in relationship? Do you truly know Him? And even if you'd follow the pattern, think about this, even if you'd answer the question and say, well, yeah, all the good people are going to go get into heaven. Well, how good do you have to be? I mean, do you have to be this good? Or, or do you have to be this good? or No, it's really only for those people that are really, 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 really good. You see how that doesn't work? You see, it's not about how good you are. In fact, the kingdom is there for a lot of bad people if they change their heart and they become one in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you look at 1 John, it says, And so if we have God's Son... We have life. But if we don't have the Son, we don't have this life. What's the key? It's not whether you're good or whether you're bad. The key is, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you live in relationship with Christ? Well, let's go to the last one. And this is a prevailing question. It's a prevailing question that has even got a lot of press lately because it's really crept into the church. And it's always been in the church. It's always been this heresy that's been in the church, this universalism heresy that's been in the church. It comes out this way in terms of a question. Uh, The question is, well, wait a minute, God is love. And so isn't that enough? I mean, after all, God is love. And if God is love, how how can anybody not? Go experience the kingdom of heaven. If if God is love, isn't love enough? Let's look at John 3.16. We know that verse. A lot of people know John 3.16 by heart, right? God loved the people of this world so much that He gave His only Son, that everyone who has faith in Him will have eternal life and never really die. Is there any doubt about how much God loves you? Oh, none at all. God loves you so incredibly much that He would send Jesus Christ to live in this earth, to die for you on the cross, to suffer everything that He suffered, to have the weight of all of your sin, to have the weight of all the darkness of the world. He loves you so much. There is no question about how much God loves you. The real question, if you follow the next verses, do you love God? You see, it's not a, there's no doubt about how much God loves you. But look at the next verses. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn its people. He sent Him to save them. Then no one has, who has faith in God's Son will be condemned. But everyone who doesn't have faith in Him has already been condemned for not having faith in God's only Son. What's the key? It's not a question of whether God loves you enough. He does. The question is, Do you love Him? The question is, do you know Him? Are you in relationship with Him? Have you become that child? Do you walk with Him every day? Are you in that relationship? You see, the problem with the question is, well, if God is love, isn't love enough, is that it sets it up as simply a theological principle. You just want to talk about the principle. And the principle is, well, if God is love, then God ought to be loving enough and overwhelmingly loving enough that no matter what anybody, who anybody is, no matter what happens in anybody's life, that everybody ought to just get to go on the ride, whether they bought a ticket or not. Right? That his love just ought to be enough. What is that? That's a theological principle. Now we're just talking about a principle. The problem is, going and experiencing the kingdom of heaven is not a principle, it's a relationship. There's no question that God loves you enough. He's shown it by sending His Son to be in relationship with you. The question is, are you in relationship with Him? Do you love Him? Have you become that child? If you look at uh, Luke 13, which you heard read as as the Gospel, it's just a great section that uh, we can unpack and try to understand. So if you look at verse 22, in uh, in uh, the gospel of luke jesus is there and jesus is on his way to jerusalem and he's teaching the people in the towns and the villages and look what happens somebody comes up to him and he asks him the theological question he asks him about the theological principle lord are only a few people going to be saved what's he asking so so how many get to go to heaven is it going to be just a few people who get to go? Do your disciples just get to go to heaven? I mean, is it just a small group of people who get to go to heaven? Or, or a lot of people going to get to go to heaven? I mean, what's the number? What's the principle around it? And look what Jesus does in response to that question. Jesus answered, Do all you can to go in by the narrow door. A lot of people will try to get in, but not will not be able to. What's he saying? Well, it's not just about what God does. God has already demonstrated His love. The question here is, have you demonstrated your relationship? Are you in relationship? Have you become that child? Are you in relationship? Do everything you can, He says. Now this makes us a little nervous because we've got to be careful here. It's not talking about doing a lot of works. We just solved that question about good people, right? It's not a question about doing enough. No, it's a question about, look, are you growing in your relationship with Christ? Are you in that relationship with Christ? Are you striving to be the person God wants you to be in your relationship with Christ? verse 25, once the owner of the house gets up and locks the door, you'll be left standing outside. You'll knock on the door and say, sir, open the door for us. We're going to talk about that verse in a minute, so hang on to that one. But look at the next one. But the owner will answer what? I don't know a thing about you. What's the real question? It's not a question of, well, you know, I'm not sure that you understand the theological principle about how loving God is. What's the... He says, wait a minute, this is a relationship issue. I I, I don't know you. You're not in relationship with me. I, I don't know you. It gets even further. He said, well look, we we dined with you and and you taught in the streets. I mean, you know, we came to this church service once or twice and, and, you know, we we even went up to the table and and we had communion a couple times and, and after all, we we stayed awake during most of the sermon. I mean, isn't that what they're saying? They say, look, I mean, we kind of showed up at church here and there and, you know, we kind of came to communion once in a while and, and, you know, we kind of listened to the Word here and there and that... What's his response? Are you kidding me? I, I, I really don't know who you are. You see, it's a relationship question, not a principle of theology. It's a relationship question. There's, there's no issue about God's love for you, but the issue is, are you in that relationship with Christ? Are you the one who is striving in everything to do whatever you can to grow and be in submission to the Lordship of Christ? God's love is real, it is permanent, it is constant. The question is, what about your love? Now, this is a hard one for, for us. Because I've got to tell you, I'm one of those people, man, I would love to be able to answer the question and say, look, isn't God's love enough? I'd like to be able to answer that question and say, yeah, boy, God's love is enough, that's all we need. But I've got to stay with the truth. When my father died, a lot of you know that, when I was very young, my father was killed in an auto accident. When my father died, my grandfather kind of stepped up and, and kind of became a real, uh, real close relationship and a person in our household. And Man, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather. I, he was a great guy. I spent a lot of time with him. He had a good sense of humor. You know, he was a hunter, and, you know, I loved that too. And Man, we just spent a lot of time together. I loved my grandfather. But I gotta tell you, I don't know that if I'm I'm gonna spend eternity with him. I'd like to say yes. I'd like to say, look, love's just gotta be enough. See, that's what I want, but I can't go with what I want. I gotta go with the truth of what the scripture says. And the scripture says, look, it's about your relationship with Christ. And I gotta tell you, I don't know. I don't know if my grandfather had a true love relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't see it. He never told me about it. He never went to church. He never gathered at the table. He wasn't part of his life. And I really struggle with that because I don't know if I'm going to spend eternity with my grandfather. And that grieves me. Now here's the good thing. Here's the kind of the bottom line. This is where we wrap it up. Here's kind of the, the bottom line in the whole thing. If you move ahead, the bottom line to it says, not everybody will go to heaven. we kind of established that, right? Bottom line, not everybody's going to go to heaven. Here's the good news. You don't get to decide who does not doesn't. You only get to decide about you. The way I say it is, you don't get to decide the who. You only get to decide the you see, we don't get to decide. I don't know whether my grandfather is going to experience the kingdom of heaven. I pray about it. I, I hope he will. But I don't know. And the good news is, I don't get to decide. I don't get to decide. You see, that's our biggest problem in this whole question of who gets to go to heaven. Will everybody go to heaven? Is that we also want to put ourselves in the position of saying, well, no, not everybody gets to go. And, oh, by the way, that person over there who doesn't kind of fit my standard, no, they don't get to go. That's not the way it works. We don't get to decide. What we're about is making sure that we reach every person we can possibly reach. And we reach every person, whether they're a good person or whether they're not a good person. We just reach every person we can possibly reach. And when we get to heaven, there's going to be some real surprises up there. In, in Luke 13, in the last part of that, of that section, it says, People will come from all directions to sit down to feast in, the, in God's kingdom. Where are they going to come from? They're going to come from places. they are going to be people there you didn't expect. There's going to be all, all directions. There's going to be all kinds of people there, right? There's going to be people there that you look around in the world today and say, man, they must be lost. And they're going to be in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because it's not about what they look like. It's not about how they dress. It's not about their economy. It's not about any of the stuff that we kind of order people about. It's about what is their heart relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. Bottom line. It's about what is their heart relationship with Jesus Christ. And he reminds us in the next one that they're the ones who are now the least important will be the most important. Those who are now the most important will be the least important. There's going to be some real surprises for us in the kingdom of heaven. There's going to be some surprises about who's going to be there. And there's going to be some surprises about where we are in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we don't get to decide. We don't get to decide. This is the great release for us, actually, as we answer this question, is that we can be honest with people and say, will everybody go to heaven? No. No, because I just got to tell you, it's about where you are with Jesus Christ. But I can tell you, right today... Jesus Christ wants to experience eternity with you and he sent Jesus Christ. God sent his son Jesus to to be in this world and die for you so it's possible. I can tell you he's already in heaven and he knows the way. And if you become like a child and surrender your life to Christ, I can tell you he promises no matter whether you're a good person, a bad person or whatever kind of person you are, you'll experience the kingdom of heaven. You see, you don't decide the who, but you do decide about you. Ultimately, when we answer the question, it's not about, will everybody get to go to heaven? You know what the real question is? Are you in that love relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the question. Are you in that love relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, thanks for big questions. They're hard ones.